He's a very present help during the time of trouble, isn't he? It doesn't even have to be trouble, just a need. He's just there all the time. He sees to it that every need is taken care of one way or the other. All we have to do is reach out and receive what it is that he has made provision for us. You know, the the more I think about uh, what Jesus did for us, it, it just amazes me. It amazes me that he left nothing undone. Nothing. There's not a need in your life and my life that he has not satisfied it so that we can live in the newness of life that he's called us to. He's called us to newness of life. And it's hard for this old man that's on the outside here, this Adamic nature on the outside, it's hard for it to understand that love can be that awesome and that wonderful. Amen. When when John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he meant exactly what he said. He agape the world. And you're the world he's talking about. He's not talking about the earth. The earth is going to be destroyed. He's talking about you. He had you in mind when he sent his son and me in mind when he sent his son so that I could be complete. You know, whenever you were being fashioned in your mother's womb, he was present. He was present. He put himself as a duplication inside your mother. Your spirit, he's spirit. And he put himself in you in that womb. Well, we have mothers here today. Amen. Very special ladies. Uh, you know, it was uh, it was the ladies that were they were standing by the cross whenever Jesus gave up his last breath. Only one guy was hanging out, and Jesus gave him an assignment. He said, "John, behold your mother. Mother, behold your your son." So. The rest of us weren't hanging out there. We were watching afar off. But, you know, it was a woman that was the first missionary. It was a woman that was at the tomb. You know, I mean, thank God for women. Amen. Thank God for women. Praise God. Thank God for my wife. Amen. 56 years. Amen. Thank God for her. Amen. We raised one another in our beginning years because we got married so young. I was 19. She was 18. And, uh, gee, we didn't know nothing about anything. Nothing. Uh, I, I definitely wasn't taught anything like, you know, marriage at home. And, uh, she was raised in a very fine family, and and uh, she she had some understanding. But me being rebellious the way that I was, and everything else, I've I said for years, and he's tell people once I got Diane all straightened out after seven years, you know, got her all straightened out, then uh, things began to run a lot smoother. Truth of the matter is, it was me all the time. 
I was the troublemaker. Uh, but, uh, you know, <laughs> what did she <you> say? <laughs> Is that something to be repeated? <laughs> was an indigestion. Praise God. But we thank God for our mothers. I know tomorrow is Mother's Day, but we celebrate you every day. Uh, and so we appreciate you. Amen. So give yourself a good hand. Everybody. Amen. Thank God for you. Well, I do not have a Mother's Day message that I want to share with you, but I do have a message I want to share with you. You know, we've been talking about getting back to the beginning, back to to the the simple, the simplicity of of the Word of God. You know, sometimes I, I think we try to understand something too hard. We we try to make it more complicated than what it is, not meaning to, but it just some of the teachings that even go out today are are very. Uh, intellectual rather than spirit spirit led the lord jesus himself said keep it simple keep things simple and so we need to keep it simple so this morning i i, I just wanted to share with you about uh, your faith walk how many i said it a few minutes ago you know, some people believe that whenever you get born again, then faith is activated. Uh, that is not true. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8, it says it's by grace that you're saved through faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So in order for you to get born again, you had to have faith. Faith had to reach out to receive what God uh, had prepared for you. He put that in you whenever you were a baby in your mother's womb. He put himself in you. Faith was there. All you needed to do was to ignite your faith with hope that he has given to you through what Jesus Christ did for you. And then you activate. It gets activated uh, on the inside of you. It's quickened. It's made alive so that you can walk out and you can live out the character and the nature that God has for you. And, you know, there's four scriptures that talk about the just shall live by faith. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 4, is the only one that says it a little bit different. He says, you shall live by his faith. By his faith. The rest of them say, the just shall live by faith. But in uh, Romans 1.17, just shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11, just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10.38, the just shall live by faith. He must mean that he wants us to live by faith. You think? I, so, you know, this is a faith church, teaching a faith walk, uh, believing in that which is the unseen, calling those things that be not as though they are. Regardless of what our circumstance and situation in life is, there is an answer and a solution 
for all of those things that we face in our life. And faith is what produces it. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it's the definition of faith. Now, faith is the substance of the things hoped for, being the evidence of the things not seen. So, faith is substance. What else is it? Evidence. Faith is substance. And it is the evidence. It's the proof. It's the title deed that gives you the right to be able to enjoy all of the provisions that God has already taken care of for you. Can you say amen? amen. Might need to help her up, Jimmy. Amen. This is one of our younger members. She's doing good. Amen. I believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what he said. If Jesus was a healer whenever he was here, he's a healer now, and he's a healer tomorrow. As long as he tarries and waits, you know, he will be what he said he will be. That's his promise of provision, and we can enjoy all of that in our life. If he says, by his stripes we're the healed, we are the healed. Whether we see it, whether we understand it, uh, really, even if you believe, don't believe it or not, doesn't change the fact that it is reality. He is who he says he is, and we're not going to change that. That's what faith is. That's who our God is. He's a faithful God. He changes not. I'm so glad that Malachi picked up in the spirit what he was saying when he said, I change not. He meant what he said, and he said what he meant. He changes not. And it doesn't make any difference what the world looks like. It doesn't make any difference what's going on in the world. Listen, this earth will never be destroyed itself by God himself. The sovereignty of the world's destruction has been placed in the hands of Almighty God. And at the very end, after the thousand-year reign, this earth will be dissolved. That's what the Word says. That's what will happen. Russia won't do it. Neither will any other nation of the earth. The United States won't do it. It doesn't make any difference because God has already put into His sovereignty how things are going to turn out. I liked what uh, Billy Brim said when she was talking about the coming of the Lord. You know, it's been preached for years and years and years, Jesus is coming. Well, the truth is, He is. He is coming. And the Bible says he's coming for those that are looking for him. How many of you are looking for him? We're looking for him. Amen. And we need to keep our focus on that and not lose that sense of who he is and who we are in him. Now, as we are getting older in life, doesn't change the fact that he's still who he says he is. And we can still do the things he says we can do. We can't give up that, that 
that hope that he has given to us concerning those things. So in Mark's gospel, chapter number 11, I know that you, all of you should be able to quote this one. In chapter number 11, verse 23, he said, Whosoever shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and not doubt in his heart or her heart, but shall believe it those things which he saith, that's you and me, that we saith shall come to pass, then he will have whatsoever he saith. Well, how many of you believe that's true? So the only enemy that we really have is doubt. Doubt in, is very simply this. I wrote the definition down. This is Webster's definition. Webster says it's this. Number one, fear. Fear. To be uncertain about something. To lack confidence in. To distrust. To consider unlikely the Bible calls it in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, faint-hearted, to become faint-hearted, or to forget the promise of what he has said through doubt, fear, or unbelief. Because I see something, I feel something, or things around me don't appear to be what God says that they are, doesn't change the fact that they are. Whatever he said that they are, they are. The earth is the Lord's and it's the fullness thereof. It's still his. And so you and I can't lose the concept of who he is. As we, as we are getting older in life, we should have more wisdom. We should have more understanding about who he is and what we possess in him so that we can help our younger generation to keep what it is that he's made promise of provision. The reason that the earth is in the mess that it's in is because the church has been in a mess. But the church is getting straightened out. In the last day, she's going to be a bride that's without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. We're going to get some revelation uh, magnified within us, and it's going to multiply. And it's going to multiply quickly. And as uh, as... Billy Brim was saying, you know, it's a lot closer than you realize and than I realize. And that's what it says whenever the people start saying, well, where is the sign of his coming? Where, you know, you know that this. you guys have been saying this for years and years and years. Preachers have been preaching it for years and years and years. And they will keep on preaching it until Jesus shows up. And then they're going to say, I told you so. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 20, it says that they staggered not at the promise of God. Right? They staggered not. Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. So doubt, another word for doubt is unbelief, just not believing. So let's keep it simple. Faith is the substance. It is the substance. It is the substance. It's not going to be. It is the substance of the things hoped for. The word hope 
is the igniter to faith. It ignites faith. You have to have hope in something. That's your dream. That's your vision. That's your desire. You take those three things, it will bring about the things that you have need of in your life and my life. And when we talk to our bodies and we tell our bodies to line up with the Word, we need to hook it up with hope because He gave us the promise of provision. By His stripes we are the healed. Amen? I don't have a spirit of fear, but I have power, I have love, I have sound mind. I have sound mind. I have love. I have everything, every ingredient that's necessary. Look at your neighbor and say, you got all you need. The Bible says, if any two shall agree as touching anything that they ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. So all we got to do is get two to agree. Well, as touching anything. So all I got to do is get myself in agreement with God. I don't even have to get myself in agreement with you. Just get myself in agreement with God and it'll come to pass because that's his promise. But that doesn't mean that we don't give confidence and trust in our brothers and sisters to be able to get in agreement with us. But in order for us to get what we need, we have to have some form of agreement. God has to have some form of agreement. If you go through the, the scripture and you read every place where Jesus went, there was something that the one that was participating had to do. Remember the man that had the withered hand? What did Jesus tell him to do? He told him to stretch forth his hand. Do something you haven't been able to do. I need you to participate. I need you to let faith arise on the inside of you and let, let your hope connect with it and ignite it. And cause it to come to pass. So the mountain in our life or the circumstance in our life is, is movable. With, that, with men, it might be impossible. But with God, it is possible. All things are possible to those that dare to believe. We are believers. Therefore, we're receivers. We're not doubters that do without. Doubters do without. They're do withouters. And that's what happens here. He says, if you won't speak unto the mountain and say to that mountain, be thou removed. Every person in your family and my family have the right, according to the promise of provision of covenant that I have and that you have with the Lord, every family member has the right to be born again. Matter of fact, we put a demand upon our families to be born again, to be filled with the Holy Ghost. If they're in a... Lord, the Holy Ghost. No man comes to the Father except the Spirit draw them. So you don't have to pound on their head and, and, and Bible thump them. Just put the Word of God on them in prayer and just believe God to bring a change in their life. And it will happen. Maybe not in the time that you think. Did you ever stop to think that you might not be the one that initiates or brings them to, to Jesus Christ? It might be somebody else on the outside that God's going to use that they'll listen to. Sometime our family members are the hardest ones to be one because they know all of your faults. They know all of the things you've been through. They've seen your circumstances and situations in life. 
before Diane and I got married, my, uh, my stepmother's mother, she was a good Church of Christ woman, and uh, uh, I was a good heathen. I lived in a heathen home, and uh, and I'm not discrediting my my father and my stepmother. They were precious people, and they eventually came to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Uh, but it but it, it, it's amazing to me how we sometimes think that we're going to save the whole world when in reality. Uh, He's going to let you lead the ones to the, to Him that He puts you into the atmosphere of, uh, you know, to do that. And it may not always be your family member. But nonetheless, what I want you to see is that we can't doubt, even though we, we see them going the wrong direction and everything else. You know, I don't know how many people I've told this, but our son spent 18 years in the criminal world, in prison, jail, everything else. He's not in prison. He's not in jail now, you know, and he knows the Lord. He's accepted the Lord to follow him. He knew the Lord coming up and growing up. Matter of fact, one time I asked him whenever I went to, we went to the prison uh, to visit him. And, and uh, I, I said, Paul, where did we go wrong? Where did I go wrong as your dad? I mean, you've been in a Christian home just about all of your life. I said, where did, where did I go wrong as your dad? He looked at me and he said, Dad, he said, you didn't do anything wrong. You raised me right. He said, I've just made some really bad choices in life. He said, They're my, they've been my choices. And so while he was in prison, he became the head of the whites all the prisons are run by gangs, in case you didn't know it. And he became the head of the whites in the prison that he was in. But he took his, what they called his gang. If you've ever thought of a good gang, that's what he turned it into was a good gang. It wasn't about hurting and killing and robbing and stealing and all of those different things. He turned all of that around and he made it something that was an outreach to touch people's lives and to, to minister to those that were inside the prison walls. Well, pastor, did he have to fight and all those things? Well, if you're ahead of the gang, yeah, he still fought. He still did, the, did those things. Uh, I don't know why anybody would mess with him. He's just, <laughs> he's tough as a boot. That's all I can say. But we just kept praying and believing his mother, his precious mother, would be up till 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning praying, interceding in his behalf for year upon year upon year upon year. But I want you to know all of that, she never once doubted. She never once doubted. I can't say that I didn't. Matter of fact, at one point I became bitter and resentful because he bore my name. And so I became bitter and resentful towards him. Because of his lifestyle. That was not my lifestyle. He wasn't raised in that lifestyle. And so whenever he... So I can't credit myself. I credit my wife more because she was the one that said, Honey, 
He's going to change. It's, it, that's our child. That's our seed. That's our seed. And our seed is going to serve the Lord. And he's not doing everything I want him to do, but he's serving. He said, Dad, I watch, I watch uh, church more than you do. He said, I go to church by watching it. He said, but I watch it all the time. He can quote the word inside and out. You know, I mean, he's, he's doing what he has a revelation to do today. And, but our family members are so important. And you need to see that there's light at the end of this tunnel. There may be obstacles that are in the way, but it's it's time. The, the hearts of the children are coming back to the fathers, and the fathers' hearts are coming back to the children. That's the last hour that we're in, and it's happening right now. So let's don't quit. Let's don't give up. Let's don't let doubt, fear, and unbelief. Just because we see certain things with our natural eyes, we have to look beyond that. Well, just to let you know, uh, I was preaching behind the pulpit, one Sunday morning, people used to come up to me because they know our son. Uh, we made it well known to our congregation, you know, who our son was, where he was at, and everything else. We weren't proud of it, but we wanted them to. We wanted to be upfront with them. We're not perfect. We're not perfect parents or anything else, and we weren't the perfect pastor. But and we had circumstances and situations, you know, in our family that we had to deal with. But I was preaching from the pulpit one morning. And I was preaching on forgiveness. And as I was preaching, I was was just about to give the altar call. And as I was preaching that and everything else, it was a strong message. And uh, the Lord spoke to me and he says, and yes, and you'll be the first to repent. So I had to repent and to get my life right. Because that's still my seed. That's my seed. That's my wife's seed. And he was the firstborn. And so he was called. He's got a call of God on his life. And so I did. I repented. As other people came around and they were gathered around and they were repenting, taking care of their circumstances and their situations in life. But we let so many things hinder us from being able to walk in the faith that God has already invested in us by letting little things, little foxes, end up nipping at the vine till it destroys the vine, where I ended up with bitterness and resentment in my life. But I got rid of that. Amen. And when I got rid of that, then I went to the prison and I told my son, I said, son, he said, now, Dad, he said, we were in this big room, and like I said, he was the leader of the whites and everything else, and he, he came up to me, and he said, Dad, I don't know what you're going to say. Diana just left to go to the restroom or something, and I said, Paul, I need to address something with you, and I said, I need you to forgive me, and he said, for what? I said, because I've harbored and held resentment and bitterness in my heart concerning you. I was resentful and I was bitter because of how you've lived your life because it didn't match up with the way you were raised. And he said, Dad, he said, stand up. 
I stood up. He said, now look, all these guys in this room I'm responsible for. He said, I'm going to give you a hug. He said, but you've, you've touched my soul on the inside. And he said, I need to rest my head on your shoulder and cry. He said, but they can't see me. I said, go ahead. We both cried together. You know, but the truth of the matter is, two weeks later, Paul completely changed his life around. Completely. You know, the Bible is so simple and it's so plain. He said, whosoever sins you hold, you hold them in bondage. Whosoever sins you remit, they're remitted. In other words, if you release them, it's such a simple process. And we go through life with our loved ones and family members because something happened and it hurt us, it wounded us, whatever. But we can't harbor and we can't hold that. It is so simple, but it is so profound. We're at the age in life that we cannot afford to leave a door open for the enemy to take advantage of our life. So we need to press forward. Amen? We're to be pillars in this church. You're the senior citizens of this house. There's many more that are not here today. They're, they're the senior citizens. There's 170-something individuals in our church. Represents almost half of the number that attend on any given Sunday. Half of them are in this age group, 55 and up. And we're the pillars. And our young people have to have the pillars to look to. We have to cooperate and work together. Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? We have to walk together. Faith puts a demand on your life and my life that I be at peace with God. So that I can see the full benefits of what it is that I've been saved for. I've been saved to be a light and to be salt. And how are they going to get salted if the salt has lost its savor? Used to work out on a ranch and we would put out salt blocks. You all know what a salt block is? Some of you worked with, you know, with cattle and, and uh, stuff. And I worked out on a ranch whenever I was a young lad and, and uh, probably the best time of my life. But anyway, they would, they would check the salt blocks and see if the cows were still licking the, the block. You can, you can tell if it's fresh or not. And occasionally we would run across a salt block that uh, you can tell that it, it hasn't been used. There's, there's no uh, uh, slava on it or anything else. It's, it's just dried out. And it's, it's no longer of any value. The cattle no longer utilize it for their system anymore. So we have to replace those salt blocks. And so you and I are the salt of the earth. And so we can't lose our savor. How do we lose it? By getting in doubt, fear, and unbelief. That's how we lose the savor. 
It doesn't mean that we're going to miss heaven. It doesn't mean that we don't love the Lord. It just means that we're letting something enter in to keep us from everything that God has. And the hour that we're living in right now, we cannot afford for anybody in this church not to be salty. We're not playing anymore. Playing church is over. We're in the real deal now. We have to be the real army. And if you were in military, uh, anybody here besides me in military, I know, okay, in military, you, you had to toe the line. I mean, you had uh, rules, you had regulations and responsibilities. There was a certain way that you acted. There was a certain way you you carried yourself. Uh, There was a certain way uh, that you had to have your clothes. They had to be in order. Your shoes had to be polished, you know, and and you you had to look sharp, be sharp, act sharp, respond immediately whenever things were given so that we could activate as we know of it, as the greatest army that's on the earth. The natural services that we have. But the truth of the matter is, is we're the army of God. And our shield should not be rusty. Our sword should not be rusty. And we shouldn't be dragging our shield behind us. It ought to be in front of us. Amen. We need to have everything, our loins girt about with truth. Our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We need to be alert and in tune with what's going on in the Spirit. How many of you want to see angels? Well, listen, we can. We can. It's been a number of months ago now. It might have been a, a year ago. I uh, saw an angel standing right over in this corner, right over here, one service. Came right in, right through the wall. Came right through the wall where the screen was. And you could still see the screen, but you could see the angel. I could see it, you know. And an angel came right in, probably about 10 foot tall when it walked through the wall and just stood in the service, just stood in the service. And and some things were happening in the service, and it was just observing. But that wasn't the only one that was there. I didn't see other ones. I only saw that one. But I'm telling you, we're at that time that the Lord is opening up the heavens to us. His hand has been extended to us. And in every venue of life, it doesn't make any difference what that venue is, He's pouring it out. He's pouring it out. So we need to be anticipating, expecting to see great things and marvelous things. Be a part of this great and this last move of the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. Why not? They're coming. They're coming. Don't be surprised when they do. Because it's going to happen. So he said, Whosoever shall say to the mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. Not doubt it in his heart, but shall believe that whatsoever things he says, it shall come to pass. Amen. 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 
It's time. It's time for the church to wake up. You're going to see the church start operating in the gifts again in a greater measure. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. That's been able to see into the spirit world, both good and bad. And so we need to be prepared. The gifts of healing, working of miracles. I mean, it's, it's all coming. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom. These things are coming. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. That is the gift to the New Testament church, by the way. Those two gifts are the only two gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12 that were not activated and active in the Old Covenant. But tongues and interpretation in tongue was implemented and instituted in the New Testament church on the day of Pentecost. And they're active today. And they're needful in the body of Christ. And so we have to be open. We have a pastor, pastors that are open to the moving of the Spirit. I talk to him all the time. They're open to the move of the Spirit. But they want it to be the Spirit of God. Amen. There's an unholy spirit that wants to also try to enter in. But we're not going to allow that to happen. So we're prepared. We're ready to move forward. God's ready. This church is a central uh, part of what the Lord is doing in this region of Texas. And you need to be prepared and you need to be ready. There's some supernatural things that are going to literally blow your mind. In the natural. We want to see the lame walk. The dumb to talk. The blind to see. The deaf to hear. Those that are bound by cancer and disease. All different kinds. For it to be completely removed. Those that are bound by by devils. Through oppression, suppression, depression, and possession. To be set free. Totally complete. In a moment. When the gifts happen, it happens immediately. Immediately. It doesn't have to be immediately for you. It can be progressive. It's still going to happen. You just have to believe that. You have to accept that. So you can't let any doubt whatsoever. Look at your neighbor and say, no doubt in your life. No doubt in your life. No doubt in my life. Jesus went to his own hometown. And the Bible says there he could not do very many mighty works. It didn't say he didn't do any works. It said he couldn't do very many works. Why? Because of doubt and unbelief. Because he was the carpenter's son. They saw him when he was a child, and he played as a child and worked with his dad in the business as a child. They saw his brothers and his sisters, and they just didn't recognize him as being the Messiah. But all of his acts proved it. Everything, everywhere he went, he went about doing good, didn't he? But he couldn't do it there because he couldn't get beyond doubt, fear, and unbelief. And so 
When, it, when the Lord visits our house, he comes every time we come here, on Wednesday, on Sunday, when we're here right now, he comes to meet up with us, to hook up with us, so that we can get everything that he may promise through his covenant. So every person that is in this room has the right to receive everything they need right now that he's made provision for. I want you to stand to your feet. Oh, she she can stay there. She can stay there. You can get it either way, Pat. She did it. If you want to sit down, you want to. Okay? Okay. No, no, that's all right. You're fine. Amen. I want you to put your hands on your heart. Say this with me. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. He gave his life that I might be free in mine. I speak to my spirit. I speak to my soul. And I speak to my body. That it be made whole in every facet. Healing flow through me. I activate you now. To go and do what needs to be done in my spirit, soul, and body, in my domestic needs as well. I thank you for it, and I give you praise, honor, and glory. You're the Lord of my life, healer of my body, the restorer of my soul. And everything else that I have need of, I thank you. You've come to set me free. I receive my freedom. In Jesus' name, I appropriate the blood covenant that took place through the life of Jesus for, on my behalf. I receive it now with all joy and gladness of heart. I declare myself to be free. Now I'm in a position to go give it to somebody else. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap. Amen. Amen. Be seated just a minute. I just want to share just a couple other things with you. Go ahead and be seated. We we have a list already made out. Um, like I said, we have approximately 174 uh, individuals 
that uh, are in our age group from 55 and above. And so next month, this coming month of June, we didn't do it this month because of Mother's Day. Some people were going to be going in out of town. But we're going to contact all of the people that belong to our church that are in this age group. And we're going to encourage them to come. How many of you know one will put 1,000 to flight? Two will put 10,000 to flight? And then as we multiply that, it just puts us in such a dynamic position so that we can see the hand of God move in such a marvelous way. Because, again, if we can just get two of us to agree, even though we've got God's agreement, if we can just get two of us to agree, we can put 10,000. That's wonderful. But there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands that we need to put to flight and to get them out of our region. I mean, you know, demonic demons occupy in regions. They have assignment to occupy in certain regions, and they do it with certain religious belief systems. And so we have to step out of those boundaries that they have focused on here and get rid of them. Amen. You know, the, the, the legion that was inside the demoniac on the other side of the Gadarene, when Jesus approached him, the man, the Bible says the man came and fell at Jesus' feet. The demons didn't fall at his feet. The man fell at his feet. So what will, little will he had left in his life was activated that day. And because of that little bitty, bitty bit, Jesus set him free. Because the demons don't come and bow. They will. But they don't normally come and bow. They take over. And so Jesus set him free. And when he set him free, he was in his right mind. He went and got dressed. He did all of the things that were natural to do. I'm saying all that to say that we can get rid of every demon that is in this region. This is our assignment. So our region right here gets set completely free. If Philip can go into Samaria and preach and the whole city get turned right set up, so can they in Crowley. So can they in South uh, Fort Worth. That's what we're a part of and that's what God wants us to do and that's what we're going to do. And so we need to be prepared to do that. So anyway, I said all that to say this to you. We're going to be contacting some of you to help us to make these telephone calls. Diane and I are not going to do it all ourselves. We're also going to start asking some of you to help us to, to do some of the things that Diane and I are, are doing here so that we can all get our hands on deck and be a part. How many of you know that many hands makes the work light? Amen. So, and I, most of you are just waiting for us to say, well, what do you want me to do? So we're going to make out a list of different things that we do, and we're going to get you as much involved as we possibly can. Amen. How many of you know that we're supposed to replace ourselves? Yeah. Pastor Diane and I need to have somebody else that we can entrust to to take this and, and, and run with it just as if, uh, we were running it. Amen. We need to replace ourselves. 
that doesn't mean we're going to leave or anything like that. It just simply means we just need to replace ourselves. So on our music teams or whatever, we need to replace ourselves. We need to have somebody in line and to take up the, the slack and the responsibilities there. What if God called Tony to do something different? You know, then what he's doing is the head usher of, of, the, of the house here. What if the Lord had him do something else? Well, somebody else needs to be in place to be able to step up and to be able to take over those responsibilities. Amen. Same way with Joseph. What if God called Joseph to start taking outreach teams? And that's all he did was just outreach. That's all he did was just outreach. We're going to get to a place where we're going to uh, be that way. So, so Joseph ends up doing other things other than just, you know, taking care of everything that's going on in the house here. So it, it's really important. Pastor, the same way. Uh, you know, we're, we take care of pastoral care, which just simply means we're just taking some of the load off of pastor and doing some pastoral care things uh, so that he doesn't have to do it. So he can spend more time in the word and more time in prayer. That's what his job is. In case you didn't know, Acts chapter six, read it. All you got to do is read it. It says exactly what he's supposed to be doing. He's not supposed to be running around the church putting out fires everywhere. Otherwise, the devil will see to it that he's got fires constantly going all the time. So our job is to help our pastor to fulfill the vision of the house. We have one visionary in the house. His name and her name is Pastor Justin and Pastor Annette. They are the visionaries of the house. They are the pastors. They're married to the flock. Amen, right here. They're married to the flock. We have an apostle who oversees the house, but he's not responsible for the sheep. The pastor is responsible for the sheep and for the vision of the house, and and the apostle helps to establish that. And so we're really a blessed church. We really are, because we've got the apostle, the prophet. We've got the pastor. We have evangelists in the house. One sitting right over there. We've got teachers in the house. Amen. And we have other pastors like Pastor Diane and I who are underneath. Listen, we know the, the, the art of true submission. After being a pastor for 41 years, it's you know what the pastor needs. You've been there. You've done it. You know what they need. And listen, they need their arms constantly lifted up. You know, as long as uh, her and Aaron, uh, Aaron, Aaron and her, as long as they they kept the the prophet's arms lifted up, Israel won. But as soon as his arms dropped, they began to lose. And let me tell you, the pastors, I mean, they. They have a lot on their plate, a lot on their plate. And so we want to do everything we can to support and to help to fulfill the vision of the house. So we're be going to be calling upon you this next month and uh, getting many of you involved in what we're doing here. Amen? Amen? And plus, we encourage you, don't just limit our growth in here to this house. This needs to be a form, a place where we can reach out to our neighbors and friends. 
you know, they can come, they can fellowship, they can enjoy a good meal, uh, and that sort of thing, and, in, and enjoy your your salt and your light. So we encourage you to start reaching out beyond your walls and everything else. But it starts at home first. Let's start at home. Take care of home first. Then we'll reach out into Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of this region. Amen? We love you guys. We appreciate all the, of you that are regular attenders here. We're so grateful and we're so thankful. But it's time for us to grow. It's time for us to really grow. We're going to end up in the sanctuary. That's where we're going to end up. If we have 174 people come, where are we going to put them? In the sanctuary. That means the sanctuary, all the chairs have to be moved, tables have to be set up, and everything else. It's a major, major thing. And we don't want this to die out. We want it to continue to go on and to grow. Amen. We want to see the lost saved. We want to see the saved filled. Amen. And we want to see us manifesting the giftings and the callings that we have in this body. Amen. Well, it's time. It's time. We're right on time. So as many of you as can stay behind and just help, uh, we would appreciate that. We're going to have to clear the tables off. Uh, we have a box for all of the flowers. We also have a have a, a box for the little circular things. And then all the table covers, we have a, a sack to put them in here. We're going to take them home and wash them. Well, how many of you were blessed? Were you blessed? Let's go ahead and pray. We're going to pray real quick. Everybody just stop where you're at. Father, as we dismiss, we dismiss in your presence, your love. Thank you for going before us, preparing the way, everything that each one of us has planned for this afternoon and tomorrow. We thank you, Lord, for blessing it abundantly. And we just give you all the love, all the praise, all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.